Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Oh, praise the Lord. We've been talking about what? Who we are and what we believe. Who are you anyway? Who are you? Do you know who you are? I'm a child of God. I'm a child of a father. I belong to Jesus. He's my Lord and my Savior. And because of that, his word is the thing that I honor. And the Bible says that, that his word is forever settled in the heavens. You know what that means? It means that the Bible is the inspired, the only infallible, authoritative word of God that speaks with final authority concerning truth and morality. And it also means that if we believe his word and we trust in his word, believe that there's one God who is eternally existent in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we also believe in the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his virgin birth, his sinless life, his miracles, his vicarious and atoning death, through his shed blood, in his bodily resurrection, and in his ascension to the right hand of God in his personal return in power and glory. We believe that for the salvation of lost and sinful men, regeneration by the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. You know what that means, don't you? John 3, 3, you must be born again. And we also believe in the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit by whose indwelling the Christian is enabled to live a godly life. And in order for that to happen, we also believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I like what Nate said yesterday morning in our men's meeting, in the Iron Man meeting. He was kind of explaining what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. He said, having the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he said, when we have the Holy Spirit, it's like having a, a drink of water, okay? We have the Holy Spirit who is in us. All right? I got water in me. Now. If I'm going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm like jumping off the deep end into the pool. I'm totally immersed and submerged in the Holy Spirit. I'm not my own anymore. I belong to the Holy Spirit. He, he lives not just in me. He lives through me and out of me. It's the outflow of the Holy Spirit. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So everywhere we go, we're spilling over. I like that song on Jeremy's album, I Got a River of Life Flowing Out of Me, you know. So, we also believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the operation thereof in the present day church. I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I think, though, before I do, I think it would be imperative that we just stop for just a moment and refocus, okay? Let's just... Focus our hearts and our minds on God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I open my heart to receive your message. Lord, I tune my ears into the Holy Spirit because you said, let them that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, speak to us today. Speak to us with clarity, with precision. Lord, change our hearts and our minds and our attitudes, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you pray that prayer with me and you believe it, say amen. amen. Okay, praise the Lord. Not everybody said amen, but those of you who did, I appreciate it. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7 in the New American Standard Bible says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, 
I do not want you to be unaware. Now, in the King James Version, it says, I don't want you to be ignorant. To be ignorant is not to know, okay? I've always said that there's a huge difference between the words ignorant and stupid. Ignorance is when you don't know. Stupid is when you know and you still do it. That's just stupid. But ignorance is not knowing. And a lot of people just don't know because a lot of people don't preach about it. Somebody told me one time, you get what you preach for. Amen? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if we want people to understand and know what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are all about, then we have to teach people the same way. So that word unaware is the word agneo. Everybody say agneo. A means without. Gneo means without knowledge, not knowing. So A, we don't have a knowledge of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, I don't want you to be that way. He says, you know, when you were pagans, you were led astray by dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord, and there are varieties of effects. Now, that word effects is the word energema, and in other words, an effect or operation or working. But it's the same God who works, and that word works there is the word energeo. We get the word energy from that. So it's the energy of God that gives us the working of God and, 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 and causes this effect in us to be active, to be efficient, to be effectual. All these things in all persons. But to one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So there really doesn't seem to be a clear understanding of what the gifts of the Holy Spirit is all about. I know one time we had one lady, she's in heaven now, so I can say this. She would probably laugh if she were here. But we were talking about spiritual gifts, and she spoke up, and she says, my gift is sending out cards. That's my spiritual gift. That wasn't her spiritual gift. Her gift, her spiritual gift, obviously, was the gift of service. She loved to serve others, and so she gave through cards. But her understanding was, was that her spiritual gift was sending out cards to others. Many of you probably received those cards in the past. And she was faithful and she was diligent about it, but that was not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we talk about the charismata. The charismata. Everybody say charismata. Okay, I'll explain that in just a minute. Now that you've got that on the tip of your tongue, charismata. Okay. But Paul says that many are ignorant of it. He said, I don't want you to be that way. And a lot of people are, are not just ignorant, they're willfully ignorant or negligent of using the gifts because they believe that it's passe. In other words, we don't need them anymore because we've got the Scriptures, bless God, and we don't need those gifts of the Holy Spirit no more. They were for the early church to establish the church, but we don't need them. That is a lie of the devil, an absolute misunderstanding, a misapplication of the Scriptures of God and that being said, it's a lie. It's a lie of the devil. He doesn't want us to have the energy of God working within us. He wants us to try to do it ourselves. 
And that's why we have ended up with a bunch of man-made dogma, a bunch of religious institutions that have no power. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit if we're going to do the works of God. We can't do it in ourselves, right? I can't heal anybody. I cannot give a word of God to anybody without the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I can read the Bible to them, but that's not giving them a word, a life-giving word that comes from the Spirit. I'll talk more about that later on. I'm going to lay some groundwork about what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, and then the next time I have the opportunity to speak, because I won't be here next Sunday because I'm going to the EFI conference, but the following week, I'm going to take this up again, and we're going to talk about the nine charismata, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, these are not all conclusive because there are more that are mentioned in Romans chapter 12. There are many gifts of the Holy Spirit that are listed in the Bible, but these are the ones that are, are listed as the charismata. They are the charismatic gifts. When we talk about charismatic, everybody say charismatic. We have put this label on people who act funny in church and do silly things. But that's not what charismatic is. Charismatic are those who express and use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this tag has been placed upon a certain portion of the church. Now, somebody asked me, you know, what, what defines who you are? Well, I made a statement early on in this series that we are unapologetically charismatic Pentecostal or Pentecostal charismatic. What does that mean? Well, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost. It didn't stop there. It only began there. But we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are charismatic in that we believe in the expression of the Holy Spirit through His gifts to the body of Christ. So our hope is to shed a light on the gifts of the Spirit and bring clearer understanding of them and the working thereof. So, what are the spiritual gifts? Everybody say charismata. They are the manifestation of God's Spirit at work in the church today. Thus said Ron Cottle. Ron Cottle is one of the best Bible teachers I've ever heard in my life, and I've got a lot of this information from him from one of the courses that we took on spiritual gifts. I never heard it any plainer than what that is. Coming next year, as a matter of fact, it's going to be in the Impact School of Theology or Ministry. So if you want to know more, See John, Pastor John. So, spiritual gifts are the manifestations of God's Spirit at work in the church today. So, the word manifest, anybody wonder what manifest means? Literally, it means, mani means hand, and fest means dance. Hand and dance. So, what would we think of when we think of a dancing hand? Think of yourselves as being an orchestra. So, what does the orchestra do? The orchestra, the dancing hand of the conductor of the orchestra is doing what? He's directing the orchestra to make the music that is written before them. He is the dancing hand that brings it about. So if he speeds up, guess what? They speed up. But if he slows down, they slow down. So what is that saying? The dancing hand of God through the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church is God manifesting himself. He's dancing through you. We are the manifestors of the Holy Spirit. God puts his spirit within us, and his Holy Spirit is the one who has the gifts. We have the gift 
We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Is that clear? We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit inside of us uses us to manifest the giftings that are inside of him. Let me give you an example of this. The Apostle Peter and John. Y'all know the story pretty well, I'm sure. It's in Acts chapter 3. And Peter and John had a habit. Every day, about the sixth hour of the day, they would go into the temple and pray. This was their custom. They would meet there at the temple for prayer every day. And every day as they would pass by, there would be these throngs of people. And, and, and there were particular people that knew that they would be passing by. They were the beggars that would position themselves to beg for alms. And there was one particular one who was sitting beside the gate, a gate that they called Beautiful. He's sitting there, and he had been lame from his birth. He had never, ever walked. So the only means he had of making money was to sit by the gate and beg for alms. Peter and John passed him every day, and they probably tipped him, and they probably, you know, did what some people do to God. They tipped him. They gave him a little tithe to help him out. You know, feel good about me. I'll give you a little good. And so they, they gave him, they, but that day, John looked at Peter and says, Peter, you got anything? No, I don't have anything. Wait a minute. I do. I do. I got something. Listen, I want you to look at me. I looked down at the man, and he said, I don't have any money. Silver and gold I don't have. But what did he say? That that I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus. That's what he did, such as he had. Now, what did he have? He had the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit had something more to give. He had the name of Jesus Christ, the authority of God by the name of Jesus to release faith, first of all, to believe that God would do what he said he would do. He released faith. And he also released the gifts of healing. And he knew that a miracle had taken place, the working of miracles. Through him, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I give to you, Patsy. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, we release it to you. You can walk, you can run, or you can sit back down. It's all up to you. Whatever you want to do, in the name of Jesus. That's what Peter released that day. There were three things that took place. Three of the charismata. First of all, first of all, it was faith. The gift of faith. The, the gift of faith is like a surge of the Holy Spirit's power, giving you faith to operate in the gifts that he's placed within you. And then he said, I don't have any money, but what I've got I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And now the, what did he have? The authority of God that gave him the faith to believe that if he picked this man up, and he says when he picked him up, his ankles became straight, and he began to walk, and he began to leap, and he began to dance. And he went into the temple, and it caused a great stirring among the people, and it caused people to believe in Jesus. 
So God used Peter to manifest his power to this man that sat at the gate who had never before walked. And now all of a sudden, he's up and he's walking and he's leaping and he's praising God. That is the manifestation, the dancing hand of God said, look, stand up. He orchestrated something through Peter to this man. So we see that to manifest is... The dancing hand of God. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But to each one is given the manifestation or the dancing hand of God of the Spirit for the common good. In the King James it says, Are to profit with all. The Greek word, phanerosis or exhibition or expression, expression, a bestowment or a manifestation. That's what it means in the Greek. In other words, the biblical description of spiritual gifts is the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift, but we are the manifestors of the gift of the Holy Spirit that is within us. It is us that God uses to give a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, or a prophecy. It is the Spirit of God within us that manifests the gifts of healing, the gift of faith, the working of miracles. It is God in us that gives us the gift of the discerning of spirits. I'm going to talk more about that. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that today, but I'll, I'll explain what the gifts are one by one. We'll kind of go down through them. So the Holy Spirit comes when one is saved. We can't be saved without the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that causes us to be born again. It's the new birth inside of us, right? Everybody say the new birth in me is the genesis of the Holy Spirit, the life of God coming within me. By the Spirit. So we're made alive by the Spirit of God. So we have the Holy Spirit. The problem is the Holy Spirit doesn't have us. Until we yield ourselves and we say, Lord, fill me to overflowing. Now the word baptizo, everybody say baptizo. You recognize what that would probably be the basis of? Baptize. Baptizo in the Greek means to overflow or to overwhelm. That's literally what it means. So when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not like we just get a cup full. Whoo, I got a little, you know, it's like God just overwhelmed me with his spirit. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came like a rushing mighty wind. And it happened at the Azusa Street. And it happened in Topeka, Kansas. And it happened in Salisbury, North Carolina. It's happened over and over again where God has touched the lives of people. They've been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Have you been overwhelmed? So what happens then, as you're overwhelmed, that Jesus said that out of their belly shall what? Flow rivers of living water. In other words, we begin to overflow. When you're full, you're going to overflow, right? If you don't believe it, just go home, stop up your sink, turn the water on and leave. You will come back and your whole house will be baptized. Because it will be an overflow. And we're to be overflowing. I got a river of life flowing out of me. We overflow when we're baptized. We don't just, you know, just have just enough for me. It's not all about me. 
And when we empty ourselves of ourselves and we say, Lord, fill me up with you, we overflow and the Holy Spirit begins to flow out of us and touch the lives of others. Then we become manifestors of his spirit within us. So we walk around and we're looking for opportunities for the Holy Spirit to do his thing. Amen. We don't run from it. We welcome it. So charisma, the outflow, is the result of the grace gift. Charis? Everybody say charis. And we got a couple of people here who have been to charis Bible college. What does that mean? What does charis mean? Grace. There you go. Charis is grace. What is grace? Come on. Help me out here. What is grace? Unmerited favor. It is the outflow of the goodness and the mercy of God. We don't deserve it. Charis is just that. So, out of charism, we have charism, the grace gift. Grace, we have. Then we have the grace gift. Salvation doesn't come through works, but it comes through grace. We're not saved by works, but by grace. Then we have the charisma, which is the outflow of the nine or the, of the outflow or the result of the grace gift. Then we have the charismata, the dancing hand of God being manifest through us, the outflow of the nine grace gifts. Now, I want to give you a little word in the Greek is the word doma. Everybody say doma. You know what doma is? Okay. Doma is this. You were giving a, given a gift. Now, if, if Lynn were to so desire, he could gift me this beautiful white guitar up here. He said, Pastor Don, I want to give you that gift. Now, he hasn't done that, but he could. <laughs> he said, it ain't happening. <laughs> but it could happen. You just don't know. It could. But if he gifted that to me, and he says, you just take it and do whatever you want to with it. Now, that would be a doma. I could take it, I could smash it on the floor, I could do anything I wanted to, I could play it, I could give it away. It'd be my gift to do, that would be, but that's not what the Holy Spirit gifting is. It's not the doma. God didn't give us the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's kind of like this, let's just pretend that I had a little, uh, what do you call those little things that fly around all over the place taking pictures? A drone, yeah. Let's say I had a little drone up here, and I had the controls for that drone. I've always wanted one because I just wondered what it would be like to, to take a huge fishing reel and take a drone and hook some bait on it and fly that drone out over the, the water until I spot a huge herd of tuna and just drop that bait down in the middle of them and then wait for good things to happen. That would be the proper usage of a drone. But you know what? If I did that, guess who would be in control of it? I would. I would have the controls in my hand. I could watch this thing go out. I could spot those tuna. I could drop that bait right in the middle of them. What for good things to happen? I would be in control. I would be like the Holy Spirit is with us. You see, 
The Holy Spirit is in control. He expresses the gifts as he wills. He gives severally as he wills. Now, who is the recipient of the gifts? Thank you, John. We are the manifestors, but those on the other end of it are the receivers. Now, Paul and Silas were in Philippi, and there was a woman there. Well, this is Ephesus, wasn't it? There was a woman there, who, a, a young woman, who had the spirit of divination. And every day she would follow them to the temple. And you know what she would be doing? She would be saying, listen to these men. So they are, because they are servants of the Most High God, hear what they have to say. Did that sound bad? No. But the spirit inside of Paul, the Holy Spirit, manifested a gift called the discerning of spirits. In other words, he judged the spirit inside this woman and realized that it was not God speaking. It was a setup by a demonic spirit over Paul and Silas. And he turned and he rebuked that spirit and commanded that spirit to come out of her. And she lost her power that day because the demonic power that was within her was taken out. So he exercised the gift of the working of mirrors and the casting out devils because he had a judgment by the Holy Spirit, a discerning of spirits, that this was not a godly spirit that was speaking, even though it sounded godly. God help us to have a spirit of discerning or, or discerning of spirits. Now, it, it's, not a, it's not a gift of discernment, Okay. Some people say, well, I have the gift of discernment. No, you really just have a gift of suspicion. <laughs> it is not the gift of discernment. It is the gift of discern discerning of spirits. There's a big difference. We'll talk about that more. I'm, not gonna get, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. So, <laughs> we are the manifestors of the gifts as the Holy Spirit directs. Just as the skilled hand of a conductor dances to produce the music of an orchestra, his dancing hand orchestrates and produces the music he directs. Same with the Holy Spirit. Now, most churches don't have the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they don't believe or allow them to take place. But the gifts are given not just for use in corporate worship, but for use in every day of our lives. It's not just to use in the church. We shouldn't just have a word of encouragement, a word of prophecy when we're here, we can grab the mic. We should be willing to use and express those gifts that God has given to us every single day of our lives. How do they help us? Well... My mother was riding with my father one day. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again, so just hang back. If you heard it, just allow me, please. But my mother and father were on their way to minister in South Carolina one time. My dad had a 1951 Chevrolet Bel Air. And they were driving along, and this thing drank more oil. They would stop at the gas station. They would fill up with oil and top off with gas. And it got about three quarts to the mile. But they're driving, and they're on the way to South Carolina, but they knew that God had called them to go and minister at this little Baptist church down there. So my father's driving along, and the car starts spitting and sputtering, and it's just about ready to give out. And my, my mom 
begins to pray and ask the Holy Spirit what to do. And my dad's right along, and she says, Jimmy Guy, that was my dad's name, in case you didn't know. Jimmy Guy, when you get over top of this hill, look to the right. There's a house there on the right, and there's a man there that's going to give you a car. What was that? That was a word of knowledge. Who gave her that word? The Holy Spirit. So in order to manifest the gift, she spoke it to my father. Well, guess what? When they got over the hill, dad looked, and there was a house there with two cars in the yard. My dad pulled into the driveway, and just about the time he pulled in and got off to the side, the old 51 Chevrolet Bel Air breathed her last and conked out. My dad gets out of the car. He walks up to the door, and he said when he knocked on the door, this guy comes to the door, and he's so drunk, he's staggering back and forth. But he has this wild look in his eyes. He said, I know what you came for. He said, here's two sets of keys. You just go down and pick the one you want. My dad was no fool. There was another Chevrolet, but there was a Cadillac sitting in the yard. <laughs> he chose the Cadillac, of course. And... Dad said, I'll come back next week, and we can switch out the titles. He said, that'll be fine. God provided for them. They went to their meeting, had tremendous meetings. God used them powerfully. But God did a work that built faith in my mom and dad and in the family because we needed that car. We rode in style for a while. Graduated from a 1951 Chevrolet Bel Air to a 1954 Cadillac. Thank you, Jesus. So God is a God who provides, and he does this through the Holy Spirit. He manifests, and what happens when the Spirit manifestations occur when ministry is needed? The charismata are the ways in which the manifestations occur to fulfill the ministry that is required. So the Holy Spirit determines when certain gifts are needed. In other words, when faith is needed, when a sick person needs healing, there will be a surge of faith in the one ministering or serving the gift of healing. Do we always have the gifts of healings? No. I want to tell you, my wife and I went to, went to, uh, to um, uh, Benny Hinn a couple times. And I was amazed the first time we went. And we got there like 2 o'clock in the afternoon because we knew it was going to be. And when we got there, we were way back. So when we finally got into the place, though we got there at 2 o'clock, the services didn't start till 7. They were already full up to the nosebleed section. So we, we positioned ourselves up there, and we were kind of watching what was going on. And they had, had music playing, and the choir was warming up and all of these things. But we're watching what's going on on the floor, down on the floor. They had prayer teams that were there, and they were ministering to people. And we're watching them go up to people in wheelchairs, people with oxygen tanks, people with, with, with crutches and everything else. And we saw people taking their crutches and throwing them aside, taking off their breathing apparatuses, standing up and walking out of wheelchairs and dancing and praising the Lord. And we knew that what was going on was of God because there were manifestations of the Spirit that were taking place and healings that were taking place. And Benny had nothing to do with it. It was the Holy Spirit working through the servants of God. 
So when Benny Hinn finally did show up about 6 or 7 o'clock, he laid hands on people and he prayed for them. But thank God that God used him to bring people together to receive those gifts of faith and those gifts of healing and those gifts of miracles that took place in that building. They took place long before he ever ministered to them. But I want to tell you something. When we got ready to worship, the, the cap came off of that place. The power of God was so strong in there, and he would be up there ministering, and he would have his eyes closed, and he would just do like this. And people would just like somebody just mowed them down. They would just fall over backwards. And he wasn't even looking at them. It was just the power of the Holy Spirit that was working that place. So it made a believer out of me, not in Benny Hinn, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit manifestations occur when, occur when ministry is needed. The gifts are given to us given through us to others and are best developed in a climate of risk-taking and willingness to trust the Lord even if one fails. I like Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry because in order to graduate from Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, you know what you have to do at least one time? You have to fail. You know why? Because it shows you're trying. You're stepping out by faith. People could look at Peter and say he was a failure because he sank. I call him a success because he dared to step out on the water. Amen? And there's a little poem I like to say. Yes, it's true that Peter didn't float, but what about the others that stayed in the boat? They did nothing. They could criticize Peter for slipping under the waves, but what about them? He could honestly say that I walked with Jesus on water when nobody else did. He took a risk. We have to be willing to take a risk. Well, what if I lay hands on somebody and they don't get healed? Well, that's the responsibility of two people. Number one, the person you lay hands on is whether they have the faith to believe God and receive. And number two, God manifesting himself through you to that person. God, the Holy Spirit, and you operating by the gift that God has put within you. So, the gifts are given through us to others as best developed in a, risk, in a, in a climate of risk-taking and willis, willingness to trust the Lord even if one fails. Now, the gifts are not given to the believer, but the gift of the Holy Spirit is. The gifts are of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is resident in the believer. The Holy Spirit operates, and we manifest His gifts. So then we have the essence of spiritual gifts, 1 Peter 4.10. The, 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 the Passion Translation says, Every believer has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. So the purpose of spiritual gifts is found in 1 Peter 4.11. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength that God gives you so that in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong the power and the glory forever. And the motivation behind spiritual gifts is this. Anybody know what the motivation might be? It's a little four-letter four -letter word, love. The motivation of spiritual gifts is love. Paul said that 
If I speak with tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy, know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So the motivation of gifts is not to glorify the person that is being used or the manifestation of the, the manifester of the gifts, but to be a blessing to those that God has put a love in your heart for. Has God put a love in your heart for people? If you have the love of God in you, then you have a love for people. If you don't have a love for people, then question yourself as to whether I have the love of God in me. Jesus died for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see what his motivation was for sending Christ? So we could be saved. He didn't send him into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. His motivation was you and I and his love for us. Listen, when I got a hold of that, it changed my life. For many, many, many years, I grew up in a religious organization. And I only thought that God had one plan for me, and that was that if I didn't line up with him, he was going to curse me to hell. And that was what I thought about God. So therefore, it did not draw me to him. It made me want to run from him. And if I could have hidden myself away from God, I probably would, but I could not because the all-seeing eye of God was upon me. But then one night... In 1975, about 4 o'clock in the morning, I did not know that I had a brother who was motivated enough with love for me that he spent three days along with a friend in prayer and fasting for me. No food, no drink for three days. They were that determined because of their love for me, because their desire to see me saved, that they were willing to go beyond the limits to see me come to Christ. They didn't know what was going on in the other end. They had no idea. They just had a gift of faith. They, had a, had a, had the, they knew that if they were determined, if they prayed and they believed God, the gift of faith was in operation in them. And I was miles away from them. But God began to deal with my heart. I had been high earlier that night, but I was not high at the moment that the Holy Spirit began to deal with me. And all of a sudden, I had a visual in my mind. I saw, as it were, a vision. It was almost like I saw a screen drop down out of heaven. It was like a movie playing. And I saw two images and the first one scared the daylights out of me because I saw a cross between two others. And there was someone hanging on that cross. And as they zoomed in on it, you know who it was? Me. It was me hanging on that cross. And the reason I was on that cross was because of my sins. I deserved to be there. But then all of a sudden, it was like there was a fade out. And then it zoomed back in. When it did, someone had taken my place. It was my Savior. 
Then I understood his motivation. I never understood why Jesus went to the cross. It didn't bother me. It bothered me that someone would kill a righteous man, but I didn't understand that he didn't have to die. He chose to. He was motivated by love. That changed my life. I thought, how can I not surrender my life to someone like that? How can I not accept that precious gift that God has provided for me? How can I run away from him any longer that he's trying to wrap his arms around me and love me so much? How can I do it? That's why I want to give my life to him. That's why I want to serve him. That's why I want to give everything I got to him. It's because he loved me so much. I'm so grateful. His motivation. What motivates you? What is your motivation toward God? Are you thankful for what he's done for you? And the beautiful thing about our God is that he's such a benevolent giver. He wants to keep giving and giving and giving. He wants to give so much that that he piles so much inside of you that it overflows. And you just begin to manifest his love to others around you. And really, that's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are all about. It's God saying, let me make you a tremendous lover. Let me put my love inside of you and you go share it. You have a compassion for other people. The reason that we want to evangelize, the reason we want to reach people with with the gospel of Jesus Christ is not so we can build a church here that rivals all the other churches around. We don't care. I could care less about that because lest the Lord build the church, they labor in vain who try to build it. My desire is to fill these seats with hurting people, people that the world has rejected, people that nobody else cares about, that we can love on them, we can love them back to health. We can show them the love of Jesus. That's what we want. God woke me up this morning. Just to pray for some young men that I know that are struggling. My heart just breaks for them. Billy Graham said, it's going to take three things to reach our world around us. Number one, it's going to take bended knees. Knees that are bent in prayer. Knees that care enough to pray for people. It's going to take a broken heart. A heart that is broken for the lost. When you look around you and you see people, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? What do you think about? The first thought that comes to our mind should be, I wonder if they know Jesus. I wonder if they know my Lord. The other thing is eyes that are wet with tears. Jesus, when he's raising Lazarus from the dead, and he saw the doubt and unbelief of the people. And John 
Chapter 11, verse 37, it says, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He wept, not because Lazarus was dead, but he wept because there was a lack of faith in the people. What is inside of us that motivates us? Is love the motivation when you pray for the lost? Is it out of a sense of obligation that I have to do this because the Bible commands it? Jesus gave us one commandment. He said, this is my commandment that you have love for one another. Love one another even as I have loved you. God wants us to have that love for other people. My brother and my friend that prayed for me are in heaven now. But I owe them my life because they prayed for me. They love me enough. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the debt of love that they paid for me. My Jesus who died for me. With every head bowed this morning, I want to ask you one simple little question. How have you responded to the love of the Father that was expressed through His Son? Have you rejected it? Have you spurned it? Have you denied it? Or have you embraced it? Have you received it? How have you responded? You know, we can refuse the love that God offers to us and that will be the one thing that we will be judged for. The one thing that will determine whether we enter heaven or not. Because Jesus said clearly in his word in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. What did he mean by that? The faith in him is the only way that we will ever enter into God's kingdom. We can't do it through Buddha. We can't do it through Muhammad. We can't do it through any other way. No other name. The Bible says in Acts 14, 4, 12 that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Save the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No other name. And why is his name so important? Because he's the only one that died for you. But he's also the only one that was raised from the dead with the power to secure our salvation. Jesus is the ultimate grave robber. So the question is. Maybe up to this point you have rejected him. But today. As it says in 1 Corinthians. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your day. Today is the day that you have the opportunity. And while you have the opportunity. It's important for you to make that decision. Will I receive him as my Lord and You've Savior? You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.